Welcome to Game Like Training Radio. We're helping you to understand how to learn and practice more effectively. I'm one of your hosts, Cordy Walker. And I'm your co-host, Matthew Cook. And today we are with Stuart Morgan. He's a longtime golf performance coach. He's worked with some of the best players on the planet. And uh, he's spent the last five to 10 years working with just junior golfers. And uh, he's worked with some of the best juniors in the US and all over Europe. So this is going to be fun. This is a crazy episode, Matt. We uh, have not done anything like this. I have never heard of anything like this. Today, (laughs) we are sitting down with one of the juniors that he's worked with for ever, it kind of sounds like, like a long, long, long time, and her dad and Stuart and us. So we're kind of diving into what's going on here with this junior and this parent and um, really successful junior. She won the the Scottish girls or what was it? Again, or yeah, something like that? I, I'm pretty sure uh, it's the Scottish girls, and she's also she's got scholarship offers all over America to some of the best D1 programs in the country. She she's an incredibly talented player, and Stuart's been with her a long time. Yeah, so we're kind of diving into you know the mindsets of of what she's thinking, what her dad is thinking, a little bit on what Stuart's thinking. And we're just seeing it and we're not really analyzing it today. We're not really talking about it. That's next week. We uh, sat down again with Stuart after this recording and chatted about kind of what we heard and, you know, what, what he kind of thinks of as the coach. But this is this is really unique. It's not often that you sit down with a parent and a junior and kind of get to hear what they're thinking and someone that's really good. Yes, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see the dynamic between the relationship of the student and the parent. That's a cool thing that we get to hear about right now. It's kind of like a research project. We are conducting research here in Game Like Training Radio. <laughs> We're analyzing the every word of, of a junior and parent relationship. No, I'm kidding. Uh, it's just cool to dive into this. This is going to be fun. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast or get on the Golf Science Lab Game Like Training email list so you can stay up to date and make sure to watch out for next week's episode where we try to figure out what was talked about here and what was important and what wasn't. Let's get to it. All right, we're excited to be back here on Game Like Training Radio. We have back on someone who joined us for season one. Stuart Morgan, and he's brought along a couple folks with him. So, Stuart, what's up, man? Hey, how you doing? Good to be back on. For sure. Thanks for joining us, Stuart. No problem. So, we've um, we've invited on today Emily Price and Kelvin Price. Um, so Emily is a, a kind of a young junior golfer who's kind of played the game, and I've been involved with her development since she was like eight years of age. And Kelvin's her dad, and we're going to let them kind of introduce themselves right now. With you know, the, all the accolades that they have. But really, it's an idea of kind of getting a player and a parent on and seeing how things kind of work um, in that kind of relationship and how it can help help the listeners if they have young juniors and, and, and whatnot. So, Em, if you want to introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about what you've done and kind of what you're going to do. Hi, uh, yeah. So, I'm Emily. And obviously, as Stuart said, I'm a young golfer. I'm actually 17 years of age been playing golf now for about 11 years. Um, started out with Stuart um, back here in England. Uh, worked with him for, you know, many years, obviously, um, until he moved out to the States. I still speak with him for, obviously, psychological development. I started out as just a, you know, young junior golfer, hitting balls on the driving range. Started getting into lessons and taking things up from there. And then as a young child of about seven or eight years of age, started entering young junior golf events like junior opens uh, and 
HSBC We Wonders events and then kind of realized that actually you know I love the sport and it was you know a good fit for me and I took to it pretty quickly and uh, my dad was very dedicated with me and we you know traveled around and put a lot of hours in well from the very start as a young child um, and then these last few seasons I've really picked it up playing many women's events you know high top end girls events uh, I'm now for the past last season and the start of this season uh, I've been selected to play for uh, England golf on the under 18s um, national squad and my handicap is now plus three so I've brought that down quite considerably um, the last few years and I'm just hoping to continue the journey that I set out uh, from the start continue to bring the handicap down win more tournaments you know play higher level tournament and stuff and then hopefully come out to the states myself in August 2018 to start university. Just tell us quickly a little bit about you know like a CV um, so over the last kind of year or yeah. so yeah, so this past season, the 2016 season, I started out playing tournament that was Scottish girls under 18s tournament uh, up in Scotland. Started the season well with a win there. Um, finished three under par for the tournament. It was a three-day tournament. And then followed that with another two lady ladies event wins, which were just a 36-hole and one-day events. So I really started the season well, got off to a good start, which I wanted. I then had to take uh, a couple of months out of competing because of GCSE examinations, which I take uh, over here in the UK, that we do over here in public schools. So I took time out for that, uh, but still carried on training, preparing for the tournaments I had off that, and then kicked it back off again with flying out with England to Norway in the European Team Championships. Uh, that was held in Oslo, and we played um, stroke play and match play. That was a tournament strategy, and then we came fifth as a team individually I did pretty well myself as well but obviously just coming back from exams I was you know kind of getting going again uh and then I played a lot more tournaments over here in the UK which included English girls where I came second that's an under 18 open as well I played British girls which is a massive you know top end girls event over here which many European players come over to play as well I did pretty well in that got through to the quarter finals in the match play which was you know good for the first time I've ever played it and then I ended the season with a very good women's win, um, which was the women's stroke play. I played very well, had one very good day, shot six under. So that got me, you know, kind of up the leaderboard very considerably in one day and then closed out and ended the season well. So, yeah, I've had a very good season myself for national titles and the rest I've been at least top 10. So it's been very good. Excellent. Thanks, Em. So, Calvin, you can follow that now. Yeah, um, just to give you a bit of background on me, uh, guys. Um, so a bit of a mixed bag. I've got six children, which Emily's the eldest. Um, I'm from a working class background, but I was uh, in the British Army, in the infantry, in the Royal Green Jackets for most of my 20s when I first met Stu. And uh, after that, so I've actually studied at Oxford, and but now I'm, a, in American terms, an Episcopal priest for the Episcopalian Church, the Church of England uh, over here. And so we just look at life as, as a holistic thing where, you know, there's physical, mental and spiritual sides of, you know, being a human being. And, and that's quite important how my wife and I, Ruth, have, uh, have raised our children. Um, and Stu, uh, as a coach, has all supported that. And so when I left the army, I actually, you know, I was uh, having a very good career, but I left uh, to join a church. So um, talking at what would be 
uh, from one vocation to another, but obviously the church in financial terms pays considerably less. So I have to be quite careful about how we, you know, use our finances to the best of their abilities uh, to enable not just Emily, but all of my children to feel they uh, have opportunities to exercise what gifts or talents or interests they might have. Uh, Em's been quite modest there because, you know, at 13, she was the uh, US Kids European champion. At 15, she was the English Girls Open champion. At um, 16 last year, she was the second youngest winner of the English Women's Open after Charlie Hull. She's the only woman uh, who's won at a younger age. Uh, she finished number one on the English Order of Merit. She's ranked, I think, 18th in the world under 18s, top 13 under 21s in Europe and top 14 in European women's. And most of that's based on that she enters half the amount of competitions as everyone else. So she's only able to get actually half the amount of points. But the fact is, every time she turns out thus far in the last you know, three or four seasons, especially, she ranks pretty much in the top for free of anything, you know, what we, we would call majors, you know, the sort of big four-day events. Um, we do about four or five of those a year. She pretty much ranks in the top three most times she turns out, which is obviously, you know, golf's all about that sort of consistency if you want to be the best. So, yeah, I mean, that's us really as a family, and that's a snippet as, you know, Emily's probably biggest supporter, along with Stu and Alan, a coach over here as fans. Stuart, so, I mean, break this down for us, man. What's, uh, what's been kind of the, the key to success here? What are some of the things that, that you've worked on with, with Emily over the years? It's been a kind of a, you know, a, lo- a long, successful, but kind of slow journey. And I think, you know, Cal and Emily would kind of uh, would agree with that. But really for me, you know, I'm going to put this over to Cal a little bit as well, where, you know, Benjamin Bloom said, Home environments can change human potential. And we all know how, you know, parents get a really bad rep in some sports and in some instances justified. But I think there are a lot of great parents out there with regards to dealing with, you know, elite athletes, not just in golf. So I'd really kind of like to put that over to Kelvin and Emily and say, why do you think, two of you, why do you think this kind of works? Because I know Emily is very humble and they have a big family and, you know, she's helped out with, you know, all the younger kids, um, yeah. you know, changing nappies and, you know, cooking dinners and stuff like that. And I think that whole environment has helped us stay very grounded in that respect. But I think from a, a listener standpoint, it'd be great to kind of hear from these two and maybe to M to, you know, why do you think it works M, with regards to the relationship you have with your dad? Because it doesn't work with everyone, you know. So for you, why does it work? Yeah, of course. No, it doesn't. I think it works for us is because we've always had a set plan and we don't just make things up as we go along or, you know, make new strategies or if something doesn't work out, try and change things in a panic, being like, okay, this isn't working. You know, let's change it. We stick to the plan. We stick to the routine and we just keep going and trust it's going to work. So, I mean, it was really, you know, since I started getting older, when I was younger, obviously dad needed to do a lot for me because I was, you know, young, didn't really know what I was doing. Just dad was just like, yeah, turn up here, do this, do this, and it will be fine. I was like, yeah, okay, whatever, just do it. Um, but as you get older, obviously you, take, you become more independent. You know what's going on. You know, you become more knowledgeable in the sport. And obviously I can understand it a great deal for myself. So actually dad's role is, you know, a lot less, you know, dependent. Yeah, I'm not a lot less dependent on him. Uh, he's obviously still there and obviously I still need him quite a lot. But it's about knowing when the changes happen. And obviously, as I get older, how much do I need him? What do I want? And it's, it's about the communication as well. So I think, 
you know, I'd go to an event and I'd play, you know, my round and my coach back over here, Alan, I'd, you know, play my round, come, come off, go and speak with him straight away and have a debrief with him. You know, I would not go to my dad. I will not speak to him. I'll speak to Alan first. We'll have a debrief. You know, we'll break things down. If it's been a good day, then obviously it's going to be good. I'm going to be on quite a high, but if it's not a good day, obviously going to have a lot of things to talk about, you know, maybe, you know, going on to the next day, what I need to work on, what I need to do, what wasn't so good. And then after that, I'll go and speak to my dad and obviously he won't come at me with, oh, you know, you did this today or have a go at me about anything or, you know, he won't have a heated conversation. It's kind of just, oh, how do you think you played to get today? What went on? You know, how do you feel? You know, what's what can we do better for tomorrow kind of thing? So and then we just have a, you know, a calm talk that's nice and obviously just discuss things really. And obviously then Alan's involved with that as well. So we all kind of communicate the ideas, but we're not jumping in at each other. You know, some kids we see they'll play a golf tournament and their dads are there on the bag you know caddying for them the dads are there when they come off the dads are there on the driving range but with me and my dad obviously he's there he comes out and watches I love him being there but it's we know our place and we know where we're going to be obviously I know when I need my own time I know when I need time with Alan and then dad knows when he can be involved as well so I think it just works because we're not you know, making things up. We're not changing things each tournament. We're sticking to a plan. We're sticking to a routine. We know it works. And yeah, the, uh, like I said, the communication between me, Alan, and my dad at tournaments is just right. And in practice as well, like I'll go to, when I lived at home, obviously I'm at boarding school now, but when I lived at home, dad would pick me up from school and they'll take me through the driving range or, you know, the golf course. And when I was younger, he used to come out with me, you know, a lot to make sure, you know, I know what I'm doing. I'm not, because obviously I was only like eight, nine, 10, 11. Um, but as I've got older, he'd drop me off, you know, say, okay, I'll wait in the car or something. You go and do your thing. Have your practice plan, stick to the plan. You know, what are you doing today? Are you driving today? You're going on the course today. You're putting today. And he'd kind of just slowly let go and let go and let go. And if I need him to come out and do something, he will. But it's always me to ask him now. Um, he'll never be like, oh, I'm coming out to do this or I need to look at this or you're not doing this right. And he'll never try and coach me. I think that's somewhere like a place that a lot of parents and their kids go wrong with a sport is they try, well, especially golf is their parents try and become their coach as well or like a coach figure. So if something's going wrong in the driving range before an event, you'll see a lot of parents jump in like, are oh, you doing this wrong? You know, you need to do this. You need to do this. Why are you doing that? And it's like, with me and my dad, he'll watch me on the range and stuff, but he'll never get involved. He'll, you know, if things aren't going great, we don't panic. We stay calm, you know. Obviously, you don't know what's going to happen on the golf course anyway, but there's no point dad trying to change something because he doesn't know fully what he's doing. He's not my golf coach. He's my dad. So it's like, yeah, you've got to have your set boundaries. You've got to know where you need to be at the right time, and you've got to stick to, obviously, the plan that we've always had, and it, and it does work. So basically, as you've kind of got older, you've started self-directing yourself. Yeah. Can I jump in there, please, Em? Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's okay. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, that was quite a good summary. I, I think, you know, as a, as a family, uh, like Stu, Stu hinted, you know, at home, when Em comes home, she's, you know, she's not a golfer. You know, yes, yeah, she does do golf. And yes, yeah, she is a golfer since when she competes. But when she comes home, she's Emily. And so, you know, she's one of the, the six children. She is the eldest. And, and there comes responsibility. And, you know, we have a sort of philosophies you know as you go through an age you go through a pecking order and, and of uh sort of chores you should do so like when em comes home you know the petrol mower she mows all our lawns and you know she'll wash the cars and and do whatever in the school holidays and then you know as her siblings are coming up older underneath her they'll do that but then the younger ones who can't do that might have their chores like polishing shoes or you know hoovering so, so everyone because we're a big family everybody has to play a apart and so nobody in, in that sense is favoritized it's we're all loved equally and so i think 
you know, Stu understood that about us from when M was, yeah, like eight or nine years old. And we've then, it's slightly different when M competes because obviously when we're away and uh, you might be on a, a four day event, so that means you're there for the best part of a week. It's all about the player that just as if you're a pro or a good amateur, it's all about the player. And you, what you've got to create is that sort of stable and comfortable environment. And so my job, um, got it right until she was probably about 11 or 12. And I can remember having the conversation with Stu about this was, you know, she had a lesson with Stu one week and then she didn't see him for a couple of weeks in that time at eight, nine, 10, 11 year old. Well, you know, they probably forget what they had for breakfast in the morning, let alone what the coach was doing two weeks before. So I think the parent does have a slightly semi coach role just to make sure they're doing what they should be doing. But then, with, I suppose, maturity around about, you know, 12 or 13 and starts to settle in, it's then the ownership of the child needs to start understanding that they start grasping, A, what they should be learning and B, remembering it and then C, implementing it themselves. And at that age, I can remember it very clearly. We were away, I think, at Emily's very first um, English Girls Open title. And she she was 13 playing in the under-15s category and she finished fourth out of a field of about, a, I don't know, maybe a hundred or so. Tiverton yeah, Tiv- yeah. yeah, Tiverton World Institute. That was Tiverton. I mean, international field, you know, girls from France, Spain, Germany. And it was there where I worked out quite quickly. Um, Stu was doing some psychological coaching with them because he'd just gone over to the States. And Emily's what you would call, you know, sort of main sort of swing coach back here, Alan Partridge. Uh, come down with us and it was me just looking at you know trying to get that sort of outside looking in view about what's my role in this now and actually what it was was to get up at 5 a.m if m had a 7 p.m start time to get it with a you know kit ready wake everyone up do the taxi service to the course and actually at the course you know what there is a time for tough love and i think that's in the winter over here, when it's dark and miserable and cold, and you have to sometimes motivate people, but lucky, M loves the sport. I don't have to motivate her very, motivate her very much at all. But then when you're in competing mode, I don't think you need that stick. What you need is the carrot. You need the soft love. And therefore, it's very much about that reassurance, about trusting what you've learned, trusting what you feel is right, trusting the swing you've built, trusting you know, the psychological processes you've gone through. And like M said, making them into a routine habit um that's a very army thing you know you have tough love when you're training and then when you're in you know operation mode then you sort of just have to trust one another and 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 chivvy you know pick each other up in the situation and and so i think that the transition age is probably for us uh, what we've learned with emily is probably about 12 or 13 that the parent needs to understand that they're there for emotional support first of all and secondly they're there for a little bit of planning support because the kids have still got education which i'll come on to in a minute and trying to tie that in with being a good amateur or top amateur athlete and then at the back of that is obviously you have to be the financial support because children can't go and earn money and so therefore i think we worked out quite quickly what emily's role is and that is to take knowledge and responsibility from about the age of 13 for the coach's place that Emily has to buy into the, the methods that they're teaching her. And so do the parents. And then the parents have to step back and, and therefore just be the emotional taxi and wallet sort of, you know, financial support and get the balance right of, you know, off season, in season type approaches to, you know, how that support goes. 
and and you know I, i'm probably taking quite a bit of time to say but i think you know Stu and we worked out quite clearly where m was about eight or nine a pathway right up to probably where she's at now actually and beyond and, and just to summarize that quite quickly we emily was about 10 or 11 and she was playing off a, a handicap of five now in the uk that means you're five over par on average every time you go around a golf course at about the age of 11 and we had county uh, so that would be like your, a state to you guys over there even though as a, a much smaller uh, a county is the equivalent of a, a state in england and County golfers, the women were saying, you know, we'd like Emily to come and play for us. She didn't have a handicap, but we knew she was playing to those sort of figures. And But what that meant was em, they, they pair it off in handicaps. So Emma's an 11-year-old. Let's say we've got her a handicap for, say, five. She would have been playing a 20-year-old who plays a five. And so in, you just look at it. That just doesn't work out because Emma would be hitting, like, driver, four iron or a rescue or something into a green, whereas a 20-year-old is like driver, nine iron. So it's a very different type of golf. And I can remember Stu, you know, coaching us and saying, look, guys, just be patient on this. You don't need to go down that route because if you wait till she's sort of 14, 15, she'll be playing off scratch about thereabouts. And over here, that means you're playing level par golf week in, week out. And we went down that route and we turned down a lot of people in our national system, uh, our, at least our uh, county, your state system, really frowned upon us. Uh, but we just trusted it. And you know what? He was spot on. We got to 14, as I just said. For, no, M was 13. And we had to get a handicap to enter in our first English Girls Open. And a handicap should have been three. So that means you're three over par on average every time you go around the golf course. And they can't give handicap less than five as a first handicap. So they put her off seven. And she played four rounds of golf and finished um, six over par. And came fourth in a what really is an international event over in Europe, and so we knew the plan was there. And by the time Emily got to fourteen, she was playing level par golf pretty much every time she turned out in you know major competitions. And so Emily's handicap is competitive based. It's not you know a local club trying to score good you know because of course you know it. We only put in cards where she competes against the best field, and so plus fee over here means you're. On average, when you turn out in a major tournament, three under par through whatever the length of that tournament is. Uh, sorry, off each round. And then Stu said, you know, this will do her well and you'll get to probably 15, 16 and American universities are looking on you. And he was right there as well. I mean, we got to uh, Easter, uh, April, sort of in 2016. And we certainly had all of a sudden, you know, for a little bit of work by Stu, like, Big universities, UCLA, Florida, Vanderbilt, Stanford, all come looking at M because she's good academically and uh, obviously she's, you know, top of the game over here. And she had many offers of full scholarship and, and she didn't mention that. She actually, we went and viewed those sort of universities I've just mentioned and she just felt that Vanderbilt was the right fit for her. And so she'll be starting there on a, on a full scholarship full ride next year in 2018. What an awesome uh, story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well the, thing, the thing is, um, Stu, to, it, to be fair, Stu, and he, he knows Em's coach over here. Well, I've known Em's um, sort of swing mechanic coach over here since I've been a, a child. He was a junior pro when I was about seven. And he taught me and we've kept in touch. And my cousin, if you ever played sort of, you know, county level scratch golf, and he's taught, you know, a few tour pros himself in the European tour and especially more with the ladies uh, Alison 
Munt, uh, Nicola Morton, Alison Munt, and a few who were like peaked in the 90s. And we, we're just family friends. And anyway, when we moved back to the Midlands in England, uh, we linked up with Alan and uh, he and Stu met up. So we have got this sort of openness that he knows we talk to Stu for mental coaching and a bit of short game stuff. Yeah, it's no, very much like the, the the whole team. It's very there's a lot of clarity. There's there's transparency well, well, between no, a Matthew, lot of people. Right. And and the thing is, we call it team price, you know. And the the point is, I think too many voices can confuse a situation. So what you have to do is is engage with people you trust, and then once you trust them, you buy into their concept and and go with it, you know. And and you just have to. If something was disastrous, you would work it out quite quickly, but if it's just mean dedication and, and um, consistency, then, you know, let's go with it. That's a very, again, it's a, that's a quite an army type model of, of, of a way of training, you know, M mentioned routine earlier and sticking to that. Yeah. Plan. That's um, what I thought when she mentioned the plan, I thought that, that, you know, and where she was going with it, it was kind of reminded me of uh, earlier discussion that you, you were going on about the army. And yeah. so I thought that that's very much, it's so funny, you know, like I, I don't think I've ever said, Matthew, I don't think I've ever said it to Stu, but the army work in, in over here, the infantry, top end infantry work on sort of 18 forecast, 18 month forecast ahead of yourself. So you, you're always on an 18 month program, which you get in your way you need to sort of be in 18 months time. And actually yeah. Stu, without even knowing, has always done an, um, a two year forecast with them. And so basically when she's like 13, we're looking at what the girls at 15 are doing and going, okay, how do you, get yourself to where they are at 15 i.e swing speeds uh scoring you know all the rest then at 15 you're looking at 17 17 you're looking at sort of what the girls are like at collegiate level collegiate level in your first year you need to be looking at what they're like at lpga level and we've gone with that and actually em to be fair again being humble she wouldn't tell you she's always hit the mark about 12 months earlier than she should have done if that makes sense because what both people do they kind of wait until they get there and then try and change everything like uh emily mentioned earlier about the panic and try to change things just after but this you're you're looking at the the long term and you're taking into account the processes that that need to go into place to learn for the long term and it's not the instant success and the instant performances you're looking for what what can we do the long term is going to help and be beneficial I think, Matthew, we're lucky that M each season has won the, the biggest thing she's entered, which is, which is great. And so it's quite linear in that sense. But it is grounded in the fact of, you know, you want to climb Everest. There's actually, is there, is there five or six camps that you have to get to? So what you don't look at the top, you look at your next camp, don't you? You know where the top is and you've discussed where the top is and you've picked your route to the top and you've picked your, your five or six camps along the way. But every time that, you know, you go on that journey of a thousand miles, you take in one step at a time and you are getting to the next camp, knowing if you just keep doing that, you get to the, the end result at some point, you know. And and so so that's really been it. And it, so it is that looking ahead and that forward planning and trusting you don't have to necessarily go with the pressures that are around you from even national or regional sort of state side, side squads. Um, and the only thing I would say for us, um, and then I'll, I'll leave it over to you guys to talk, is we know girls over here who stopped school at like 12 years old, 13 years old. And to be fair, we know that Tiger um, probably didn't get it right in his personal life. Um, but if you look at Tiger or Rory or Jordan Spieth and, uh, you know, even Michelle Wee, 
the majority of top people actually get through to almost you know university level or even complete university level part of it education and do reasonably well and and so it's for me being emily's dad i say to her you know there's three things in life for you there is your sport which is your your golf your academics and your social life but in a scale in a scale you know the old-fashioned scales where you put one thing in each side to balance out there is only room for two if you put two things in one side, the one that goes up the opposite side is the one that suffers. And so we believe in a quality rather than uh, quantity. So when Em comes home and she doesn't play golf and she has a week off, we pay for her to go for you know dinner with her friends or the cinema or, or to a, a theme park or, or something quite you know sort of memory based exceptional. Or she might go on holiday with her friends for a couple of days now. She's a bit older, but. That, that's because she doesn't do like every Friday night with her friends somewhere or every Wednesday night she's out, you know, going to see her friends around the corner. So we try to quantify, OK, you sacrifice a lot because you golf and your academics because they're the two big things which balance the scales. So when you do get the little bit of social time, we're going to make it worthwhile for you. And yet, like you said, Matthew, that the everybody understands their role in team price. And as a dad, that is hard sometimes. Because you do want to sometimes give a, you know, a ticking off or see it maybe from your own viewpoint. But it's just keeping reminding yourself that there's professionals you're either paying or they're giving their time because they just want the success for your child. And you have to just trust that system. And so far, you know, Stu, to be fair to you, buddy, you've got it you know, 100% right every step of the way. And, and that's it's fantastic. Like I was mad 10 years ago, though, Cal, when we were talking. <laughs> I want to end with kind of this, this question to you, Emily. When you look back at, like, kind of some of the things and what you've been able to achieve here as a junior golfer, like, I want to hear, like, what do you think has been the biggest thing that's helped you get there? Like, the one thing that's been helpful? And then kind of looking back in the same thing, like, what do you think is one thing that, that wasn't helpful or that, that you would have changed looking back? Um, I mean, it's not like one specific, like little or big thing that has, you know, helped like make sure I've got to where I've needed to be. Apart from the fact that, you know, having conversations from early days with Stuart and my dad and sitting down and working out a plan and knowing, you know, each milestone, each stage of the way where I need to be. I think that's the biggest key for me. I'm, I'm a person that likes to set goals and likes to, you know, aim them a little bit higher than maybe I should and try and achieve them. You know, I do that for each season. I break it down. You know, what do I want to achieve in the winter block practice season? What do I want to achieve at this tournament, the next tournament? And then obviously have long term goals as well. And it's just about setting them goals and trying to root them and doing everything I can, you know, within practice, working hard, you know, being dedicated, being determined, sticking to the plan. Like I've said, you know, we mentioned the plan quite a lot, but it's really important, you know, for myself because without it, I wouldn't be where I am now. And I, you know, I wouldn't know where I'm going to go to and I wouldn't have anything to kind of fix my mind onto and work hard for. Um, so I think you know, that's probably the main thing that's helped me get to where I need to be, you know, the structure that we've had, the consistency that we've had with it, and obviously the time that we've put into it as well. Cool. Something you'd maybe do differently if you had your time again? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think one when I was younger, we didn't really have 
um, a lot of idea about tournament golf, um, you know, in season times so of playing like girls events, women's events. So I think we've only really started getting to know the proper tournaments that you need for kind of point scoring systems to get onto European rankings and world rankings that then enable you for things like the Junior Ryder Cup and, you know, uh, the Curtis Cup and things like that. Um, we didn't really know a whole lot about that. So we just kind of went along and, you know, picked it up, you know, year on year and kind of learned a lot more about it. So if I could change something, it'd probably be to start that process a little bit earlier, like a lot of, you know, my friends who play golf, you know, a lot of the other girls did. Um, to rack up them points, you know, early on and to know what you're doing to kind of have a bit of a head start. Because I think it's been kind of hard for me in that aspect because I'm playing tournaments and I'm playing, you know, fewer tournaments than a lot of people, um, but finishing, you know, very high, like top three every every time I kind of turn out, but not really always gaining the points needed because other players are traveling around Europe, uh, playing in high quality events. Um, so I think I'd change that, that aspect of it, just knowing what tournaments to enter and you know where to enter them and and yeah what what's best Thanks so much for listening to Game Like Training Radio, powered by the Golf Science Lab. If you want to learn more about this podcast and all the other content, head over to golfsciencelab.com to see everything. Make sure to check out the Game Like Training course that we put together. You can find that at training.golfsciencelab.com, and that is the Game Like Training course. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'll see you all next week.